It's a good question, right? Like, what do you want to see happen in the next five years? Apparently, you want to plant a church. Yeah. Praise God. Like, that doesn't come from us. That doesn't come from uh, some lowly vision of what church should be or what our call is as Christians, but instead from the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we want to plant a church, right? It's our biggest goal every year. It's something that I talk about every year. Actually, last year, this time I go, in this next year, we're going to plant a church. And we planted three, if you didn't know that. Yeah, there was three that you all came together with your finances and your provision and you sent out money to Cistern Church with Sammy Ramos and a Seven Mile Road Church in Missouri City with Tyler Ballou and to Chris Kitt with Renaissance Church in downtown Richmond. Yes, that is participating in church planting. Is it the ultimate goal of, of church planting? No, we wanna send out some of our best leaders. We wanna lose half of our elders to a good church plant in Sugarland or Rosenberg or wherever because they will gain two really good leaders and elders and, mo and more than that. that. We're still in this to plant churches. We're doing it together, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens as we move forward. And speaking of that, as we look to the future, it's gonna take more than just plans that are strategic to get this kind of thing done, to plant a church that plant churches, to make disciples who make disciples, that are, are, we're, we're making disciples, we're maturing those disciples, and then we're multiplying them out to go plant new churches. It's gonna take more than a strategic plan. It's going to take set apart people, set apart people by the Lord for his glory. And so as we look at 2020, I want to put before us three priorities. Um, they're better than goals. They're trajectories that I want us to kind of just hop in. Like it's, it's like, like streams of a, of a river. And I just want to hop in that stream and head down that stream with the Lord. And so it's trajectories and directions that I'm hoping to invite us into. Uh, and, and it starts with what we started with, with the scripture reading. Let, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. I, I think it's interesting that the Lord is calling us to have not just any kind of love, but a genuine kind of love of love in Romans 12 and throughout his scripture. Um, this idea of genuine love is a love without pretense. It is a love without hypocrisy. See, pretense is the enemy of authenticity. Pretense is the enemy of genuineness. It is pretending to be something that we're not, pretending to care when we really don't, saying yes when we really mean no, giving lip service to I love you and doing nothing to demonstrate it. That's pretentious love. It looks good on the outside. It does a lot of the same things that genuine love does, actually. So it's kind of difficult to discern. But because it's rooted in comparison to others, because you're trying to, be, to look better than someone else, you're pretending, you're performing, you're acting like, you know, I got this thing together. That's pretentious. That's hypocritical. That's disingenuous love. But because it is rooted in the comparison to others to look better than we really are, deep down in pretentious, disingenuous love, there's a score being kept. See, that's the kind of love that God is calling us away from. When he says, abhor what is evil, hate what is evil, it's that. It's a pretentious, hypocritical love that says, I love you, and then to your face, and then doing something else behind your back. What would it look like for us to truly pursue and let love be genuine? If, if pretentious love seeks self while serving others, what is it that genuine love does? Let me put one big definition. This is the only slide that I have for the day. 
Genuine love is seeking and serving another while sacrificing self. Seeking and serving someone else while sacrificing yourself. This is what Jesus did. This is how he, he died for us. This is what he, how he loved us. Because, you know, in John 3, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he sat on that love and warm, warmly, affectionately loved them from a distance. And said, I love you, but I ain't doing anything to fix your problem. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. John 15, 13. Greater love has none than this, that someone would just, you know, look by and go, man, looks like you got yourself in a pickle there. Wonder what you did to create that problem for yourself. Greater love has none than this, that we would lay down our life for our friends. Romans 5, God demonstrates, he shows. He makes his love obvious. How does God make his love obvious? His genuine love, the genuine kind of love that seeks and serves another while sacrificing himself. How does he demonstrate that kind of love? That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Us. While we were running the other way, while we were spitting in his face, while we were smacking him in the mouth, while we were putting him on a cross, while we were mocking him, deserting him, betraying him, he came for us. That's the kind of people he died for. He didn't die for good people. There's no such thing. He died for us. Those that nailed him to the tree, and to go back to the last couple of weeks, this curse that he took for us on our behalf. So, church. How can we let love be genuine? This is gonna blow your mind. I'm just gonna tell you that right now, all right? This is gonna be so like, you've never heard this before, innovation. This is like the Apple product that's about to get unloaded on you and you're gonna be all tweeting this out if you're on Twitter. You know the first thing we can do to let our love be genuine? Be rooted in the scripture. Be rooted in God's word. We never graduate. We never graduate from being creatures of God's word, of being formed by the word of God. How will we know? Look what it says. Let's just read Romans 12, 9 again. Look. Look. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Another word for that is hate it. If you're going to be a loving person, you've got to hate some things. True or not true? Just me that loves to hate things. Okay. Me and Carol. I'm with you, Carol. Wherever you're headed, I'm going. If you're going to plant a church, mm, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. How will we know what is evil and what is good if we do not drench ourselves, submit ourselves to God's word? Do you remember the first sin of Adam and Eve? They were in the garden and God told them, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They took the fruit and they defined good and evil for themselves. And they didn't trust God at his word. And so here it is in Romans 12. We're getting back to the garden when he's inviting us again and again to trust God for the definition of good and evil. How will we know that if we do not drench our lives with the word of God? Each week, this in this Sunday gathering and in our neighborhood groups and the other um, environments that we uh, produce and pursue, we point to the scriptures. They're not my ideas. They're not our best plans. They are the word of God to be the standard for all, of, all matters of life and faith. That's why we pick up the word every week and we start the, 
our day every week with the reading, the call to worship by God's word, the call to confession by God's word, the assurance of pardon from God's word. We sing God's word through song and then we center our lives around the teaching of God's word. And then what do we do at the end? We send you out with a benediction from God's word. This isn't stuff that we came up with. This isn't novel. This isn't some new product that we're, that we're putting before you every week. No, it is a continual call to submit ourselves to the goodness of God. Why would we do that? If you remember our goals for last year that I'm not putting before us again this year, but we are pointing ourselves back into that trajectory of being rooted in the scripture. If you remember last year, we asked that every partner learn how to reap the scriptures. Read, examine, apply, and pray. Reap the scriptures. We put together an online workshop that we did online. It's still online that if you didn't do a workshop or you didn't learn how to, how to reap the Bible, it's still there for you to be able to learn. We did six or seven online Bible study workshops for the partners or anybody else that was interested in learning how to read the scripture. That's what we did last year. We put all that together to equip whoever wanted to be equipped to be able to know how to apply the scriptures the way God intended to do it. Can I just ask by show of hands, who did this in this last year? How encouraging is that? How beautifully encouraging is that, that, that we would all come together and, and submit ourselves to God's word together. We also ask that every partner be in a growth group and that every growth group not just be a time where we get to hang out and complain about our spouse. Well, your growth group doesn't do that? Y'all must be the only one. Not that, not that, but to read the scriptures and then ask the Holy Spirit, how can I obey you this week or two weeks or however long it is? How can I submit myself to your reign and rule in my life as the king? How can we do that? How can we provide a safe place of accountability and, and a, a safe place of repentance and belief over whether or not we're gonna love God through the way we lived in, in obedience to Jesus or not. So if you were in a growth group or any, of any sort, if you're in a growth group this year, will you raise your hand as well? Man, if you're in a growth group, you're missing out. Like this is good stuff right here, man. Like what, a beauti what beautiful pictures of faithfulness that we can see amongst our people that like, we're not just putting stuff before you that's difficult, we're putting stuff before you that's really good for us. And I think we would tell stories and maybe we'll have opportunity at lunch to tell those stories of what you're seeing God do through these environments and many more. So again, if you didn't do these things this year, it's not too late, there's a Bible study workshop online right now that if you want, you could leave and go look it up and get going. It's a four week deal, have fun. You see my ugly mug there too. Or if you're not in a growth group, it's no time to start than today. Like most neighborhood groups are, are gonna meet this week and go to your neighborhood group leader and ask, ask them. So where, what growth group can I be a part of? What two to four people can I partner up to be able to, to submit to the scriptures and obey Jesus? Um, we are reiterating being rooted in God's word in 2020 because Jesus taught us to pray a specific thing. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And it wasn't just bread that he was inviting us to ask God for. It was the very word of God because when Jesus went out into the desert and he was tempted by our enemy, our adversary, and he was so hungry over 40 days and 40 nights that the enemy looked at him and said, hey, if you would just turn those rocks into bread, you'll be able to satisfy yourself. And Jesus responded to him, I would rather die out here in the desert feasting on the words of my father than to submit to you. 
See, man shall not live on bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. As part of his revelation as the Messiah, Jesus also said this about himself in John 6. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I'm the manna. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. May we live forever because we're feasting on Jesus. How can we be a people that are truly loving others genuinely, it starts by loving the Lord genuinely. So I ask you in a trajectory sort of way, what is one thing that you can do this year to be rooted in God's word? Will you get up five minutes earlier? Because that's really all it takes. Five minutes? You can't not hit snooze one time? That's literally what it takes to read the word. Maybe you can listen to an audio Bible or podcasts or, or, or download a couple of apps that I've, I've recommended through spiritual health checkups this year, like through the Dwell app or through the Read Scripture app or through the Bible app, like whatever it is, whatever you need to do to connect yourself with the Lord, will you, will you purpose to do that in 2020? But don't wait. We still got a month and a half. What will you do? What is God calling you? Maybe it's read scripture. Maybe it's, maybe it's memorize scripture with your kids. Every month we do memorization with our kids. Maybe it's memorizing scripture. Maybe it's doing family discipleship for the first time. You have no idea what that looks like. We would love to show you how. It's way simpler and more fruitful than you can ever imagine. Maybe that's what you can do. But we know this, right? Those that just submit themselves to the scriptures can lead to being a Pharisee if one thing is missing, and that is prayer. And so not only are we calling our, our church to be rooted in the scriptures, but we're also committing ourselves to prayer this year in new ways. We've already started to see this on Sunday mornings, that we're starting to feather in a rotation of just praying together, of just asking the Lord for help for several things that we're hoping to see him do in the coming years. This is back, back when the church started, they were centered around four main things, two of which were the apostles' teaching and to the prayers, and so the charge to be attached or to be constant in prayer remains in the early church in Romans 12. Let's read Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We will never be patient in tribulation and in suffering unless we are constant in prayer. And I'll guarantee you this, we're gonna suffer this year, right? We're gonna suffer this year as Christians, as humans, there will be suffering. How will you get through it? By clinging to prayer. Because it's not just the instrument of prayer that we're clinging to, it's the person that we're praying to. See, that's the most important part. So like five years is a long time to do what we're doing. It just is. Like you might think like, oh, okay, yeah, like five years is it's a blink in the eye. And I would say, yes, it is in, in light of eternity. But it's a long time to be doing what we're doing. And, and, and I met this week with a bunch of pastors um, called Christ Together Fort Bend. We do this on occasion. And, and they've been going for about seven or eight years. I've been with them since our church started, so five years. And in seven, eight years, we've come together and we've started to try and collaborate with other churches instead of competing with other churches. That's a big thing, right? That pastors just compete with each other. We get insecure. We go, oh man, they're going to your church. Oh, I want to fight you now. And instead, we're gonna collaborate with other churches that are in our area, like right next door. Like one of the pastors is in there very faithfully is the pastor of Pecan Grove Baptist Church. Praise God. We're in there together. We're working together. We're trying to figure out ways to reach our communities together because it's gonna take all of us. And you know, after five years for us, seven years for them, what we came around to this week, you know the big thing that we're looking forward to doing in this next year together? Praying. Praying. You know why? 
Because five years is a long time to be trying to be missional in your own power. You want to try and reach your neighbor? Awesome. Have you asked the Lord how you should do it? And try and reach your, 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 the person that you're in network with at the softball field, the baseball field, the soccer field, the cubicle, the, at Chevron, or wherever it is that you go on a regular basis. Have you, have you submitted to the Lord and said, Lord, you know their heart. I don't know their heart. How can I engage in a meaningful way? How, what, what do I need to listen for today in a conversation? The greatest tra- tragedy that we're capable of as a five-year-old church is to somehow try to make mature and multiply disciples by our own power and in our own time. You have never seen a more discouraged person than a Christian who thinks they can produce the fruit of the kingdom without also abiding in the vine. I can put my hand up as the person that's done that in the last five years. Oh, Lord, come on. We're going to do this thing. We're going to get after this thing. Let's go. And then you get out there and he ain't there. You're like, I thought he was out here. Nope. (laughs) Trying to make it work in my own power because it feels good to do that. Feels like I can go home and, and, and feel like I accomplished something. What would it look like for us to be more dependent? So when I say we're committing ourselves to prayer, here's what I know. Like I know we pray for each other. I know we do. I get texts from y'all, hey man, can I can pray for you. Beautiful. I know we pray, but my concern as a pastor and as a pastor of this beautiful congregation is that we limit our prayer to therapy. We limit our prayer to, 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 to getting illnesses away from us so we feel better physically. We limit our prayer to feeling better emotionally. We limit our prayer to kind of get that anxiety away and so mentally we want to we want to be better. It's therapy. And I'm not saying it's bad. That's a necessary part of the walk, right? We need to be praying for those things. But let us not only pray for these things because when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't just pr- say pray, uh, he didn't just say uh, you know give us this day our daily bread. He also said, Lord, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, that includes illnesses and therapeutic things, but also it includes the making of disciples. So how can we grow in prayer this year? How can your time with your creator be more of a priority, not just to receive from him, but also to rest in him? In the coming weeks, we are gonna update our app's prayer page. If you don't have our app, you should get one. And on that prayer page, which we've had for a long time, but on that prayer page, we're updating it in the next few weeks. And as we update it, there's gonna be several things for you to pray for every day of the week. It's there right now if you clicked on our app. It's there right now. And most of us are going, I didn't even know we had that. It's been there from the get-go. But we're gonna update it to include an attribute of God that you can remember about who God is and how much he's loved you. We're gonna include, um, uh, uh, you will be invited to create a calendar of people that you can pray for. We suggest believers, like pray for your brethren and your sistren. I just made up that second one, sistren. <laughs> pray for your brethren and your sistren, right? And, and, and create a calendar by which you are texting or calling them saying, hey, you're on the prayer calendar today, what can I pray for? An attribute of God, a believer. You're also gonna pray, for, you're gonna be invited to pray for other churches around here. What? Yes, they have a supreme role in bringing the kingdom to bear on a lost and dying world. To pray for other churches around here, we'll also ask you to pray for an unreached people group. Sometimes that just means like the 20s and the 30s and the 40s single people. Not that they're unreached, all of them, but that there's an unbelievable avenue for our 20s and 30s and 40s single people to go pursue those people. And what better way to have the heart to pursue them than to be praying? 
These are all things that are already on there. And then we'll pray for the neighborhoods that are all around us. Pecan Grove and Pecan Lakes and Rio Vista and River's Edge and Lameda Farms and, Wa- and Waterside Estates and Waterview and Fieldstone. And you just keep going. Keep praying and praying and praying. And so what I'm asking you, not just submit to yourself to the scriptures, but will you commit to pray? Will you commit to pray in these things? Remember this sermon that Stephen preached when he asked us to set an alarm? I forget exactly what time it was because I've since got a new phone. 9.38. That's what I thought it was, but I for some reason didn't have it. What if we set our our alarm for 9.38 or 10.02 because I think he referenced a different uh, passage. But what if we we did 10.02 for 2020? Because Luke 10.2, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 10.02 a.m., 10.02 p.m., your alarm goes off and you know you're just gonna pray. You're gonna pray for these things. Maybe you pull up the app and you pull up that little pray page and you go, you know what? It's the 17th, so I'm gonna pray on the 17th. These are the things that we're putting before you on the 17th. The early church was not just devoted to scripture and prayer, but also to fellowship and eating together, which we're gonna do a little bit of here in a little bit but it's also known as loving one another. Back to Romans 12, look at what it says about the marks of a Christian, not just to let love be genuine, not just to know and abhor what is evil and then to cling to what is good, but also to love one another in verse 10 with brotherly affection, outdoing one another and showing honor. How can you outdo your brother? How can you seek to outdo your sister in honoring them? What would that look like? How could we do that in this next year? This idea of brotherly affection is brotherly love. Love one another with a brotherly affection. In other words, he's saying, treat the people next to you like family. Not the kind of family that you just go, oh, I gotta go visit them on Thanksgiving. That's not outdoing one another in honor, but I get it. Believe me, I get it. Okay? But, no, there is a, there is an, there's an honorability that God's calling us to, to, to pursue and enter into that has nothing to do with grumbling, but instead outdoing one another in honor, right? What would honoring, what would outdoing one another in honor look like? What changes does this require in your heart? What would this do to our church and our community? What would it look like to just not just stick, with, stick it out with one another because you have to, or to serve one another begrudgingly, but to genuinely love Jesus' family, Jesus' bride, with the kind of love with which he loved us? The genuine love that seeks and serves another while sacrificing self. So can I suggest one big movement for how we can be known by love, by this kind of genuine love with one another, by outdoing one another in honor? It's gonna take a little bit of time to get there, but just follow me, and then this is it, we're done. Can I suggest one big movement, and that is this. Can Can we commit to presence and service? Can we commit to the word of God, to praying, and then as we try to outdo one another in honoring one another, we cannot do that without being present in each other's lives and serve with a posture to serve the other person. We can't do it. And so in our Sunday gatherings, in our neighborhood groups, in our growth groups, in our lives, can we commit to one another to be present and then to serve, to put the other's interests above our own? 
So I want you to be, I want to be really clear here. I'm, I'm not asking us to attend. I've never asked us to attend. That would be a pretentious kind of love. I'm not asking us to show up. Instead, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm calling us towards is a, is a genuine kind of love where we're present, being all there for the betterment of someone else. Means open up our ears, listen to figure out how we can just like, how is it that the, that the gospel can make sense in this person's life in this moment? How can we go, well, man, what do you think the Lord is inviting you into in that moment? Through these trials, what, what's the Lord saying? I don't know the answer. Maybe you might know the answer. And we ask questions and we lead with a servant heart to be able to see and draw out what it is, the purpose in someone else's heart. How can we not just attend, but to do something much more meaningful, to be present, to be all there and to serve. Serve without grumbling, to say yes. When we, when we say yes, we mean yes to being aware of every little movement that we have towards presence and service towards others is a spiritual move towards maturity and growth and in letting love be genuine. But being present doesn't automatically lead to being known by love or honoring one another. Instead, we gotta seek and serve another while sacrificing self. And so here's what I want us to do. This is the end of our big vision, vision, vision 2020 sermon. I want us to read the rest of Romans 9. We're gonna submit ourselves to scripture and then we're gonna pray. We're gonna say, Lord, if I'm to outdo another in honor, what's one thing on this list that we're about to read that I can pursue in the next season of life? What's one thing that I can do to pursue in the next season of life? So in your Bible, the heading right above Romans 12, nine, my Bible says true, the marks of a true Christian, a genuine Christian. I don't know what yours says, but let's read this and then let's just ask the Lord what we're supposed to do in this. So I'm gonna read and then I'll probably pray as we go through. Romans 12, nine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Holy Spirit, help us understand what's good and evil. Lord, would you reveal to us in our hearts what we've defined as evil and good? How did we, recat how did we miscategorize good for evil and evil for good? Lord, would you show that to us? Because we can't, we can't do any of this other stuff without, without those definitions being straight from you. So would you lead us into the truth about these things? Love one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another and showing honor. Lord, how can we outdo one another in honoring each other? What, what, a, what a different vision you have for us than what we've created for ourselves. How can we outdo one another? Lord, we be not be slothful, it says in your word, verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Lord, how can we serve you? How have we been lazy? That's what it says, slothful in zeal. We've been lazy in zeal. Lord, how have we been lazy in zeal? May we, may we be cognizant of that so that we can fervently Serve the Lord in spirit. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Lord, we confess that in the midst of tribulation and suffering, we're not constant in prayer. We're constant on Facebook. And so would you help us be constant in prayer? Would you be, help us be dependent upon you? May we run to our Savior 
who says to me, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And we believe that again and again that you care for us. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Lord, how can we show hospitality to the orphan this year? How can we show hospitality to our neighbor who's alone? Or they're just really busy. How do we, how do we show hospitality to that guy or a lady or family? Shall we join them in their busyness for a season? And then invite them to slow down? Lord, how can we contribute to the needs of the saints? There may be someone in here that needs, that, that needs to hear that today. That I've not contributed to the needs of the saints. Well, that's a command from scripture. May we hear that today. May we submit ourselves to these things. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Lord, we have a habit of cursing those that look at us sideways, much less persecute us. May we outdo them in honor and bless them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Lord, we confess that we're too busy to be present enough in someone's life to rejoice and weep when necessary. Would you help us do that this year? Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Lowly? Lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all people. Lord, would you help us, if possible, and as far as it depends on us, knowing that there are limits to what people want to see and can see about our motives and our love for them. Would you help us, though, go to that limit and more to be able to share with them the good news of Jesus? But when we can't live peaceably, may we also acknowledge, Lord, that you're in control of all things. That's a tough, tough deal. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so we end this day, Father, with a bookend. To hate what is evil and cling to what is good and then do not be overcome by evil but, be, but overcome evil with good. Help us understand the difference. Help us to be known for genuine love. Help us to um, be rooted in the scriptures, to be dependent in prayer and to look for ways that we can honor our brothers and sisters. That we would love one another, as you have loved us. Holy Spirit, would you make these things so in our hearts, not just in our heads or in our ears, but renew us. We know that reading the word is important. We know that prayer is important. We know that being marked with genuine love is important. This isn't something new. It's something very, very old. And yet we forget so with these three things before us, would you help us? Would you remind us what's most important in all these things? Would you help us be rooted in these things? Father, we love you and we're grateful. In Christ's name we pray, amen.